0: Hello, I'm your host Jim McLean, welcome to the latest edition of the Banterflix podcast. I'm joined now by David CBT Campbell from Could Be Great Productions and we're going to be talking now about well something I'm really excited about the fact that Danny Boyle is going to be the next director for supposedly Daniel Craig's last outing as 007. So David we've had you on the podcast before we were talking the last time about how great it was that Daniel Craig is is back. Now we've got Danny Boyle being confirmed as the film's director. So as you sit here Before me now, are you an excited man by this prospect of Boyle with 007?
1: Uh, It's it's kind of early days to say if you're excited about something as sort of small as, I mean, a lot of people... As small? You should be sitting here ecstatic. I am genuinely, I am really, really excited about this
0: because I love Danny Boyle. But And I was so disappointed when you just looked at me as if to go,
1: (laughs) yeah, it's okay. It's all right. It's good. I'm of the opinion that the the director of a Bond film is is not as important a job as uh, Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, who've been producing Bond films since, I think, Michael's been involved since Roger Moore, and I think Barbara Broccoli took over from her father uh, late into Roger Moore er, and and then into... uh, Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, they are sort of the the overseers of Bond. They everything I think gets filtered through them. So scripts, directors, the music, everything is is there, baby, because mm-hmm. it's been there, baby, for so long. So yeah, Danny Boy is going to obviously bring his his style, and he's got his own writer on board, uh, uh, John Hodge, who wrote. Train spotting two and train spotting and a few other things. I think Danny Boyle Trance, I think was involved in as well a few other things. Um, so I feel like you, obviously you're going to get the Danny Boyle mark as you get with, you know, every other direct. Sam Mendes. You can see Sam Mendes in uh, Skyfall and Spectre. Uh, so I think yeah, it's exciting, but it's not as exciting as say finding out it, for me. It's more exciting to find out who's doing the next theme song than who's directing because Bond has a certain style that I feel transcends a director. And it, you just look at a Bond film and you go, that's a Bond film, not that's a Danny Boyle or a Sam Mendes film. Well, when it's Danny Boyle, you know it's going to be Underworld. Doing the next Bond theme. I,
0: I'll tell you why I'm excited, and then you can come back to me and and see. I just think Sam Mendes, and I, we'll, we'll look at this, because we'll look at the, the directors that have been at the helm under Craig's tenure. I think Sam Mendes did a great thing in, in turning Bond back to that classic Sean Connery era. Like, especially, I know, you know, we can talk about it if you want, talk about Spectre, particularly the train sequence that remind me from, from stuff like From Russia With Love, which, you know, was an underrated Bond, in my, in my opinion, anyway. And I think, in a way, it, it was a good and a bad thing. I think Sam Mendes, is a really talented director, but this kind of, this nostalgia to make Bond relevant, I think has probably done him a disservice. That's why I think, this is why I'm really excited about Daniel Craig, because I want to see that frantic energy. Like, when you look at any film he does, his, his cuts, his style, they're frantic. You know, I'm not going to say I want Daniel Craig's Bond to be, like, a, a meth head, or, you know, anything like that, hooked on heroin and, and living in Edinburgh, anything like that. I don't think we're going to get that. But there's always this energy about his films. Like, even, you know, Steve Jobs, which I know some people don't like, I absolutely adore. I... I just think there's so so much style there. Mm. When so many people wanted, you know, another The Social Network. They wanted The Social Network part part two. We didn't get that with, with Steve Jobs. We got something completely different. Mm. And that's why I'm excited. But I'm also a little disappointed because this is... Well, I think he's more or less said it. That this is going to be Daniel Craig's last time as Bond. He's getting on a bit and... I just maybe wish this was maybe two films ago. As much as I love the Sam Mendes, as much as I love those films, I think this injection for the Bond franchise could be a good thing with Danny
1: Boyle. See, people always sort of focus with Sam Mendes. They sort of focus, like Skyfall was, you know, he took Bond and sort of reinvented certain aspects of it and took Bond back to his roots, like literally took him back to his childhood home, spoiler. Uh, and um, But then everyone kind of forgets that yeah, Spectre had its moments, but overall its plot is very weak and it has that Star Trek dar- Into Darkness can reveal where you just say the villain's name and expect it to matter to the people that are in the film when it doesn't. So, I mean, like, a director like Sam Mendes did one fantastic Bond film and then one that was quite subpar. So, I, I mean, Danny Boyle, great director, I'm kind of a little bit glad that he's just getting one shot because he will put everything that he's got into the one film and it'll be hopefully a great Bond film and a great way to see Daniel Craig off because no real Bond gets to have their big send-off film. Most of them, I think, sit down and do a Bond film and then it's announced that they're leaving after it comes out, whereas this one has been like on the cards as Craig's last Bond film from the get-go. So, I mean, like, Sean Connery... He went away, came back again, and everyone was like, "Oh, Sean Connery's back! I'm to do one film." Oh, never mind, Sean Connery's gone. Roger Moore, he just got very old for it. He was like 64 or something when he did his last Bond film. Um, Timothy Dalton only got two turns as Bonds. Uh, George Lazenby got one. You know, Pierce Brosnan, I think he was a product of his era because you were getting into the late, to, like early 2000s when everything was going a bit sort of, you know, sort of underworldly with like, you know, you put way too much terrible CGI in and you try and just up the stakes every single time. Let's put an invisible car in this one. So for for Daniel Craig, they went back and sort of, they got rid of gadgets. I think the most advanced gadget he had that has in that film is a car with a defibrillator in it. And uh, they sort of brought it back to its roots and, you know, they did Casino Royale, the first Bond book that was never properly adapted. So, you know, Craig was a Bond that got a proper start basically blank slate and it would be nice if he gets a nice end as well a wrap up to his little stint as Bond and it would be a nice sort of like package where you could look at it and go yeah he started strong and then there was Quantum Songs and then it was Skyfall it was strong and then it was Spectre and then he had his last film and it was the best one yet
0: yeah I agree with you As I, I agree completely with what you're saying that no Bond gets the send off they want um, you know we even look at Spectre the, the finale of Spectre you know the final sequences does feel like Daniel Craig kind of right, this is me done. And I know at the time when he finished it, he said, I'd rather slip my wrists than do another Bond. There's, there's things that you, you've mentioned there, like the Bonds, they've always kind of revalued themselves. They've always kind of retooled themselves to reflect kind of what's going on. We've seen the whole thing with um, Casino Royale was was taken on when, when born was reigning supreme and those kind of high kind of tension action sequences. And this was a, a blonde Bond that got bloodied. You know, this was, it was rough, it was tough. You know, I, I absolutely love Casino Royale. I, I think where where Daniel Craig has suffered is in what writers have tried to do and this kind of idea that each bond should be standalone was the kind of it was this another adventure for 007 and you know what happened before, the women he slept with, everything. That's all kind of like it's Ed is Ed and then we we go back to A again for the next bond. With this writers tried to be clever. They tried to kind of almost, you know, dare I say, expand the Bond universe. And, you know, well, remember what happened at the last film. Oh, remember Quantum, right, we're going to have this. And we can't really have Spectre now, so Quantum are going to be the big bad guys. And then when everyone loved Skyfall, they do well. We'll we'll use kind of Spectre almost as an epilogue to, to, to Skyfall. And we have all this, well, we'll retrofit that. Remember when we said Quantum were the really big, big bads? They weren't a really big, big, bad. Spectre is here. And remember all this stuff from the old Bonds? We'll bring that back. I think Bond should be standalone. I think there's this like, this unacceptance, this, you know, when we read the books and we watch the films that, right, that is, Bond has started, it is finished. The next film, Bond, will be on a completely different venture with uh, different ladies fighting different villains. We don't need to have, you know, you can have knowing callbacks. You know, I think... The the Dalton Bonds were really good at that. Where I think there was one of the really I can think of. I think there's a small callback in License to Kill that a, there's a reference to the fact that Bond was married once. I can't think. Maybe you mean you are the Bond aficionado here. Maybe you can think of that, that. I'm talking completely gibberish here. But that's why I'm kind of hoping. I'm hoping. I don't necessarily want it to be a one and done with Danny Boyle. If he does a great job, yeah, it'll be great. But I think I I also think that you know, the Bond franchise, the Bond film should be a platform for the best British directors to get a platform. You know, I'm I would be really excited about Chris Nolan mm. doing a film, but I think Chris Nolan has more or less said he's not going to come into Bond unless he has his own new Bond that he can kind of retool in his image. I don't think he wants to come in with an established bond. I get that. Mm. I, I completely get that. There was talk for a while even of someone uh, some like uh Dennis Villeneuve, you know, coming in, getting a call. Maybe on the back of the whole Blade Runner success and that world that he created there, but you know I've rambled for a little bit there, CBG. <laughs> so so feel free to interject and and call me up on anything I've said there.
1: Well, uh, yeah, in uh, yeah, so License to Kill, they reference the fact that Bond uh, was married. Uh, very brief, like throwaway sort of line. There's a sequ- sequence. I don't know if you remember the start of um, uh, Fear Eyes Only, mm-hmm. which is a Roger Moore film. Uh, there's a sequence at the start. It's the the cold open, actually. Uh, Bond is visiting the grave of his wife. And uh, then uh, Blofeld attacks him with a remote control helicopter. And he picks up Blofeld with a helicopter and dumps him into a chimney. Mm -hmm. And it's a very bizarre sequence. And at one point, I think Blofeld offers to buy him a delicatessen. Which is something to do with the Mafia, I think, from what I understand. But I don't really... Why have they turned... Loeffel into a mafia godfather type, almost a Doctor Evil type character. But I remember that
0: sequence. Yeah. I remember that sequence of him being dropped. I don't remember him visiting his his late wife's grave. But I mean, that's that's just me. I mean, I think Bond should be not one and done, but each each it should be episodic. It should be like each you know film is its own. It's a start, its middle, as an end. Feel free to do callbacks, but you don't need. And that's where Quantum of Solace, and that's where I think Spectre both fell down in the fact that they tried to be sequels to really popular Bond films. Mm -hmm. Like Quantum of Solace, I think, starts pretty much right after the end of Casino Royale. Spectre maybe doesn't do that, but Spectre does have a lot of callbacks. You know, the fact there's M had passed away. Spoiler, in the end of, well, we're not saying which one, M had passed away at the end of Skyfall, and we, we see that then being revisited at the start of Spectre. You know... We're talking here about Daniel Craig. I know we've talked on this subject before. How do you feel as of right now? Daniel Craig's tenure will will be looked at in the grand spectrum of of the Bond franchise. Without a doubt, he's probably the most box office the, the, the most successful at the box office. But how do you feel as someone who is a Bond fan? Mm. Right now, okay, we can't really judge the Danny Boyle stuff. But how do you feel the blonde Bond will be? But looked upon in your eyes as his time as 007?
1: Well, uh, well, when Daniel Craig was first cast, there was that famous movement: you know, Craig, not Bond, because everyone was against Pierce Brosnan being recast by what they saw as a as a blonde pretty boy. Because Bond, Bond's not blonde; he's got dark hair, like he's dark brown. It's like that doesn't really matter. Uh, the 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 quintessential things that make Bond Bond are qualities that Daniel Craig is reflecting in his performance. I mean, I can't say I'm an expert in the books. I've only read a handful of them at this point because I'm a really bad reader. Uh, but he's he's harking back to sort of the more brutal book, Ian Fleming classic Bond, mm-hmm. where he's very unattached to things. I feel like Pierce Brosnan was too emotional and attached in some of his performance. Uh, Roger Moore was obviously very good at being sort of that unattached you know, male chauvinistic, that was the thing at the time, really. I mean, Dina Craig is able to do that thing where he's unattached to his female uh, compatriots, but that's because they give him a reason to be in Casino Royale. You know, all that stuff goes down with Vesper and it makes him go from someone who thinks he can be happy to just cold. By the end of the film, he is just a cold husk of a, of a person. Because of what's happened to him, and that means that you can move forward then and say that, oh, that's the Bond that's earned his his cold nature. You know, he's earned his number. He's he's earned the, the theme music, which we doesn't get until the very end of the film. You watch the whole Bond film, and you go, now is the, when they play the music. No, nope. now when they play the music, no. Nope. Oh, they play it at the very end. Okay. So I feel, um, yeah, Daniel Craig is going to be looked at as the Bond that sort of, as you said, he's sort of Jason Bourne. James Bond a little bit, which was totally reactionary at the time, but it works. You look at Casino Royale, even now, it was released in 2005. It's, you know, it's more than 10 years old and it still is, in my mind, it's one of the best Bond films that's ever been released. And I think you could put it up against Skyfall and Spectre, you know, the more recent Bond films, and say it's actually better than them. Not hard to be better than Spectre, in my opinion, but it's like Skyfall is a fantastic movie as well. But I think Casino Royale holds up even better than that. And I would put uh, Casino Royale up against any Moore or Sean Connery or Timothy Dalton or any Bond film and say it is actually one of the best Bond films. So I think Craig is going to be looked at as... the. And most people will say Sean Connery is the best because a lot of people will always say that. That's what they grew up with. That's what their father watched. That's what they were exposed to as a child. It's... For me, it wasn't. Sean Connery, in my opinion, yeah, he's a good Bond, but he's not my Bond. Craig, I think, is my Bond, even though I didn't have my formative years with Craig. Like, Pierce Brosnan was my sort of teenage years Bond. Daniel Craig is going to be seen as my my Bond. I really thought you were going to say Roger Moore was your Bond.
0: <laughs> I think, you know, it's it's at the time, you Pierce Brosnan is without doubt my Bond. He's the first Bond I saw at the cinema. You know, that's yeah. generally my test. You know, it's Goldeneye. I remember seeing it and falling in love with Bond. And then kind of going back and devouring all these old Bonds. I've probably seen a million times anyway on Bank Holiday Mondays. Mm-hmm. I think the thing is now, as I said, as someone who's 35 and with my kind of film critic kind of head on, when I go back and look at those films... There's stuff of the con of the Connery Bond that are probably a little too much of their time, like some of the dialogue with Bond, particularly in his interchanges with women, are are pretty horrendous. Like mm-hmm. there's there's a scene in You Only Live Twice where it can literally it's like it opens it's on a boat and Bond's doing Bond what doing what Bond does best with the ladies, and his kind of first line almost to the camera with a wink and an eye is, "Why do Chinese girls taste different?" And you're just like, "Oh no, you." That's you know I, I can feel I can feel my privilege showing I can feel my white male privilege showing and kind of going that's just not right and uh, you, you, there's stuff of it when you look at it now at the time you're completely oblivious to it. the Roger Moore stuff you kind of go how old he how old she Pierce Brosnan my my problem when I look back now on him and it's only this is the, the joy of hindsight that we can do now not at the time you know he's bulletproof he's indestructible he's the action movie you know he doesn't uh, you know he goes through explosions and comes out completely unscathed but i think they're products of their time when we wanted you know our action heroes to be these larger than life characters that's why when you look at you know Pierce Brosnan's tenure and then compare it to to Craig's first outing which i agree i would actually maybe go as far as says Casino Royale is probably the best of his outings because they did something with the Bond franchise. They didn't just go for a, a copy and paste approach. They went for, you know, giving us a bloodier, nastier Bond. And who would have thought the director of that would go on to direct The Foreigner with with Jackie Chan taking on The Ra? <laughs> you know, I this is probably the thing, coming back to the director side of things, what we brought you on here for. Mm-hmm. It. It's having a big name director is no guarantee you're going to get a great film. You know, when you look at those, the two directors, okay, we look at, say, Martin Campbell, you know, he's directed The Foreigner, he's directed, you know, The Green Lantern. That's not Mm. a great record, but yet he delivered, and you only told me this before we started recording, you know, he delivered not only a great Bond with Casino Royale, but he also directed GoldenEye as well. you know, two great Bonds, he's not a named Direct. I, I wouldn't say, I'm not, I'm not speaking of the other guy, I wouldn't say he's a, as a name director you're going to ever name in your top ten directors of all time. So that's really no guarantee, having Danny Boyle, that you're going to get this great film. That's not to say I'm not excited.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, Martin Campbell has, has introduced the world to two Bonds. I mean, he, he was the first director for Pierce Brosnan. And Pierce Brosnan had a difficult task because Bond had been off for like five years. I don't think there had been a Bond film for about five years before GoldenEye came out. And then he had to come in and uh, I felt like he had a bit of an uphill struggle Mm -hmm. because everyone was sort of like really hinging this entire franchise on people liking Pierce Brosnan. Luckily enough, I think Pierce Brosnan does quite well in his early films. I think um, Golden Eye is a really great movie. Tomorrow Never Dies is actually the first Bond film I saw in the cinema. And therefore, it's really important to my heart. It's it's. Like, I will defend that movie, even though I know it's got some... Like, the bad guy's plot is he wants to rule newspapers. Mm-hmm. It's 1997, does he not know about the internet? Like, newspapers are gone. Uh, even The World Is Not Enough is a film that... It has problems, but it's still, I think, just a great, fun Bond film. And then things start falling apart with Die Another Day. And by the end of Pierce Brosnan's run, it was sort of like... Yeah, it's time to put him out to pasture, almost, as, as Bond. Um and then Martin Campbell came back again and helped them reboot their franchise again. It was like a a three or four year stint without a Bond film. And then they bring back a new Bond and again, uphill struggle, make the audience fall in love with Bond all over again. And they did. And I can remember watching Casino Royale for the first time. And that whole opening chase sequence through the construction site mm-hmm. is one of the best Bond opening sequences and possibly one of the best Bond action sequences of all time. Yeah, it's it's not even like you mentioned that sequence. There's even the
0: sequence where you see him earning his double O status, and it's just a line, and it's just a small line. And you know, I love it, and it's so on bond like. And I might get it wrong after all this build-up but he comes this guy and say, like, "Oh, double O's need to have two confirmed kills." And he says, "Oh, somebody else died as well. I killed somebody else." And he went, "Oh, how did he die?" And just Craig like, turns almost at the camera and's like not well. And you're just like, yes, I'm completely on board. Now, it's just because of the rambly nature of the way my mind works. You've mentioned the world is not enough. The mm. world is not enough gets a-kicking by so many people, but I actually have such a love for it yeah. as a Bond. Yes, it's nuts and bolts, but I think it passes so many the Bond test. It's got a good villain in Robert Carlyle. You've got an even better theme tune. Off the Pierce Brosnan tenure, you know, it's probably my favourite Bond song, because it's a callback to the classic Bonds, and it's by Garbage, it's a band that I love, and you know, it's a hell of a lot better than Madonna, maybe the only the one I love maybe is, you know, Tina Turner's Golden Eye, and that's probably because it was written by Bono on the Edge, but mm-hmm. but say no more but I love that film, I absolutely and I'm, I'm glad to see somebody else sticking up for it as well because I think it's it gets a kicking unfairly, and I, I don't really know why people, I, I genuinely don't know why people give it the kicking that it does like from 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 your opinion, can you can you see why people maybe don't like that film?
1: Uh, I think it was it was getting towards the end of of Pierce Brosnan's run as Bond, and I feel like they were trying to suit Bond to his era. I feel like Bond, whenever he's at his best, is whenever he's defining the era, not the other way around. So I I feel that. Um, I think that that movie specifically, I think it might be something to do with they do that thing where they try to cram in. Because as you said, Robert Carlyle is the bad guy in that. And then Sophie Marceau is also, spoiler alert, for a film that came out in 2002 or something. Uh, Spoiler alert, she is also the villain. And I feel like that was a little bit too convoluted for... A Bond film to do. Interestingly enough, uh, in that film, Judy Dench is given a little adventure on her own. So that's almost like a little bit like Skyfall, where she and Bond go off. and I, feel, I That's like an early moment for uh, Judy Dench to shine as M. And I feel that that was the point where she went from, oh, she's just Bond's boss, to, oh, there's something more here. The only thing I will give it a kick
0: in for is the fact that it introduced John Cleese. Oh, as yes. the cue, but there is that lovely moment, and I, I'm nearly certain it's that film. It's that lovely moment with the outgoing cue, and he just kind of disappears. And I don't know whether it was planned or anything at the time, but it's just a lovely kind of passing of the guard. Unfortunately, it was passed to John Cleese, who then thought it was a good idea to make an invisible Aston Martin in the next film. But look, I, I feel we've kind of went off topic as we tend to do with Flicks but bringing it back to to Danny Boyle like I mean I know we've kind of talked about asking you whether you're you're excited about him actually at the helm but I mean are you a fan of his back catalog I know it's a very eclectic back catalog but are you someone
1: who would be a fan of him as a director? Uh I'll be honest I haven't seen too many Danny Boyle films I was trying to think today how many I've actually seen so obviously I've seen Trainspotting and Trainspotting 2 I saw Trance which is that sort of strange hypnotherapy movie that he released and it wasn't a bad movie at the time but it's not one of those movies you will watch again it's sort of a one and done movie uh, I, I never really saw The Beach or uh, any of those sort of films so I, I haven't seen enough of them to sort of make a full opinion but I mean I did say earlier on at the very beginning like you know I'm not I'm not excited but I'm not not excited I'm just you know I'm waiting until more information is released if we get little drips and drabs if we get a title That'll be exciting if we get uh, the the theme song, like we at least know who's doing it. Underworld. I'm telling you now, it's going to be Underworld. <laughs> Here's hoping. Uh, personally, I kind of want them to bring back um, Adele. Mm. I think her Skyfall theme has been the best Bond theme since, well, I quite like Casino Royales as well. But yeah, I think you mentioned The World Is Not Enough is a fantastic one, and I quite like that one as well. Well just like I mean, I know we're kind of going off into we're going into like Bond themes. Like I
0: know it was released after the film. Radiohead did release mm. their supposed application for if that's the right term, their supposed application for the Bond song that was rejected, which I thought was was okay. It can't be worse than what they picked, but then I think that's just a case of I actually like, lyrically the last Bond song for Spectre was was okay. I just didn't necessarily like the singer. and I I don't mean that in any other way, just in case I'm not a big fan of Sam Smith and his voice. Sorry, Sam, if you're listening. (laughs) But I think had that song been sung by someone like Adele, I think it would have had a much more oomph and much more welly. I I, I would like to see Adele back because I quite like that song. I know there's people who don't like her song for Skyfall, but... I can't, you know, I'm not going to say otherwise. Also, bring back Shirley Bassey, you know, you, you can't go that far. I th- I still think Bond should be edgy. This is this is why I'm really excited about Danny Boyle, because there always should be that edginess, and I hope from start to finish that's reflected. I'm not going to say like he's hopefully not going to pick some completely weird kind of dance, kind of dancey, and that's not going to happen. The Broccoli's are not going to let that happen. But I just want to Adele as much as I love that song. It is very safe. People like Adele, it's a well-written song, it's going to be good. Mm. Um, Sam Smith was a bit of a risk, but at the same time, I don't think it paid off. I would love to see something like Radiohead or something like that, something a bit cool, just to kind of... because I'm just thinking about this again, I apologise, you've never really properly dealt with my rambly nature CBG during podcast recording. like When Bond came back, we were talking earlier on how about he had to compare with Bourne, there's nothing really, unless there's something drastically obvious I'm missing right now, other than like the Fast and Furious stuff, there's nothing I can think of that, that, that Bond of late has to really kind of compare itself to, that has to re kind of react to. You know, it's almost a sense that this Boyle Bond will be reacting to Spectre more so than, you know, what else is out there. i. Maybe I'm talking to you, but it just, it's literally just been a, just a lightning bolt moment in my head. Maybe I'm talking,
1: as I say, nonsense. Yeah, um, well, uh, there was that whole thing, I think it was about a year or two years ago, where they were talking about a Bond cinematic universe, because everything needs a cinematic universe nowadays, yeah. which worked out well for Universal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think Marvel has sort of, despite the fact that I actually really enjoy almost every Marvel film that I go to see, a couple of exceptions, but we'll get into that, um, Marvel have kind of ruined movie franchises a little bit because everything needs to have a universe now so I'm worried that Bond is going to, they're going to turn around and go let's have a Moneypenny solo movie let's have, you know, other 00 agents I'd be open for that Mm. but I feel like you're going to saturate it and if it's going to turn into Star Wars where you get a new Bond every year and you're going to dip in quality and I'm kind of concerned that's the way it's going to be if they want to expand Bond in that way I feel like they should go with a Netflix or HBO series rather than and maybe focus on other 00 agents, not Bond. Mention Bond. Maybe have a cameo appearance by Bond in some way, shape or form. But you can still enjoy that universe. Those, those secret agent adventures from MI6 without having to just oversaturate the market and make people just bored of Bond. Because that's the good thing about Bond only being every two to five years, depending on how long he's been away is that you get excited for the next one because it's such a long wait and waiting is part of the fun of being a bond fan because you literally have to wait whereas if you're a marvel person you get 3 of the damn films a year well what you
0: really need is the return of James Bond Jr and you can have references then to James Bond Jr's uncle and I would quite like to see James Bond Jr back kicking scum across the world but that would that would just be me like I kind of feel, we've kind of talked quite a lot. I, I feel I need to, to draw this interview to a close, you know, and I'm going to ask, it's, it's a loaded question, but I kind of feel, and I feel I think the last time we had you on, we maybe touched on this. This is Bond's last outing. Now, at the time, we all had our names. When, when Bond was replaced the last time, everybody had their name. And, oh, it might be Hugh Jackman. It might be this. It might be that. So we know whoever you probably think you want to be Bond will probably not. Be Bond, it'll be someone we've never heard of. I think it's a really good thing for the Broccoli's because I think Bond shouldn't be a named actor. I think Bond should be someone who that actor then becomes Bond. And then when we think when we think of Daniel Craig now, we think of oh well, that's Bond. He's in like stuff. He's a bit part player in Tomb Raider. He's in Layer Cake. He wasn't a big name actor, and suddenly he has become a list gold. Uh, okay, maybe his rules outside Bond haven't been great, other than looking lucky, but that's another thing. But in my rambly way who as you sit here now we're talking about Boyle Boyle is definitely directing the next Bond after that this is Bond's last you know swan song this is Daniel Craig's swan song as 007 who right now if you were sitting if you were the casting and saying the Broccoli's were
1: here in this room guys this guy he's going to be Bond Uh, apart from yourself (laughs) well yeah I'd love to be Bond but I mean I'm probably more of a Q to be honest just here's a belt that explodes go away um, I th- I feel that you need to look at the criteria for what you need as a Bond because at this point they are looking for someone to stay as Bond for a while. So you need someone young, not too young. I feel if you cast a 18-year-old as Bond, it's, just, it's not going to work. So you need someone sort of l- late 20s, early 30s maybe, someone who'll stick around for at least uh, three to four movies, I'd say is about the average. Some Bonds stay longer, some Bonds leave very quickly. Uh, you need someone who has proven that they can also do action as well as sort of serious and they could be an actor. They can, they can juggle the whole thing as bond. They can do everything. Um, so I feel they they will cast someone unknown. That's a, that's a given. They'll just cast someone who's been in maybe like a TV show and like two movies or something like that. Someone who's not really a big, big name yet, but will be as soon as they're bond. Uh, but personally, I would really love to see Taron Egerton have a go as Bond. I mean, I am a big Bond fan, but in recent years, I have become a big Kingsman fan as well, to the point where I went and bought the Statesman whiskey that came out. And it tastes pretty good, I'll tell you that much. It's a good, good taste in whiskey. Um, So, yeah, I want to see him be Bond because we've seen him be Eggsy. We've seen him do the Kingsman. I want to see if he can do Bond and I feel that having someone that young and breathing fresh life into Bond could... It could potentially turn Bond into Kingsman and Kingsman is a Bond parody and it's turned up to 11. I say it's like the spinal tap of Bond films, just turn it up to 11. But I feel that given the right director, maybe bring in Matthew Vaughn, put Taron Edgerton as Bond, you know, bring in other... Just bring the whole cast of Kingsman and call it Bond. I want that as a film. Uh, I I feel that someone his age, someone like him or him, would breathe new life into Bond again, which is what you want every time you recast a Bond. I want new. I want something I've not seen before. I uh, I want a casting choice where I go, what? Oh, okay, that works. I want the Ben Affleck as Batman casting choice. I want to go, wait, who? Actually, yeah, fair play, he'd be
0: great. That was going to be my last question, but then I'm just going to throw this in, just for the complete sake of it. You know, do you think next time round we're going to get a black bond? Do you think that's that's on the cards next time? You know, I, you know, we've had that. We've had the female Doctor Who now, which is the complete. You know, I'm just, I, I just think, yeah, she's a great actress. I'm really on board for that. I can't wait to see her as Doctor. I really, genuinely can't wait to see Jodie Whittaker as Doctor Who. But I mean, it, it, it wouldn't bother me to see to see a black actor but I think in my again this is my white middle class privilege showing here it's showing you know vigorously through this podcast I just kind of feel you know the it's one of those roles that's almost defined it's not like the doctor where we can do almost anything the doctor can have two heads three heads whatever you want it can be male female or both if you want but I get a sense we'll probably never get a, a, a black bond it's not doesn't bother me either way but would you be surprised? Just when you're saying there you want to be surprised, mm. would that be the surprise you'd want? Just making you, putting you on the spot and making <laughs> you feel really uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, it's not an easy question to answer without coming across as, you know, white privilege. Uh, yeah. Um, there was that rumor a, a year or so ago where everyone was like, oh, Idris is going to be the next Bond. Daniel Craig's not coming back. Um, I'm resistant to it, and not because I don't want to see a... Black James Bond because a you know of race reasons. I mean, I've I've never seen someone made someone <laughs> so uncomfortable in quite a long time. I want um I want to explain that I I saw this tweet the other day which was by uh, a black guy complaining about changing the race of characters so that there's more black superheroes, more black uh, heroes, and a black James Bond. Even his point mm-hmm. was is that. They just need to make new characters that are black. Mm. Don't change a character because you feel guilty that there is a deficit of uh, characters out there who are not black or Asian mm. or whatever. Uh, you know, Make new characters. I mean, the, one of the reasons that Black Panther has made a billion at the box office is because there's a whole bunch of people, like a whole well race there's a whole race of people out there that have no heroes to look up to there's a bunch it's like whenever Wonder Woman came out all the little girls now have their big cinematic superhero to look up to they were promised so much by the female Ghostbusters and they were let down yeah they, they have this person to look up to now and it's the same with the black community they have Black Panther someone who represents them on screen they can look at the Avengers now and go oh it's not just Falcon you know there's T'Challa. There's a king up there who wears a vibranium. He's got a whole suit made out of cap shield and he kicks more ass than half the people on that roster because Hawkeye's crap. And uh, I I feel they need to do that with everything. They need to go, okay, what other things do we need to pull characters from and get our representation through the roof and just celebrate a, everyone as a people That's why I think the Netflix would work for Bond if they do a Netflix series. You can have a black 006, 005, whatever. You can have a female 003. Mm. You know, you can do these things. You have that. But James Bond is James Bond. You can't make him Jane Bond. Mm. I mean, he's not a time lord. He can't change gender. Uh, And you can't... He can go through an operation, though. That's true. He could do that. But I think we're a little bit away off uh, the transgendered... Uh, Jane Bond I'm I'm
0: throwing I remember I said this was my last question <laughs> I lied Right. I'm only throwing this out because again it, it's been picking through my head and it's only at the time when the film came out last year Atomic Blonde and I don't know whether you've seen Atomic Blonde but there's you know I think Charlie Saron's great in that role and, and funny just again rumbling through my head I was talking about how Bond doesn't really have anything for, for Boyle's Bond to kind of compare itself I suppose probably the closest thing would be something like John Wick that kind of style, but I don't think we're going to see a John Wick style Bond, probably because Daniel Craig's too old to do that kind of thing. But you know, in Atomic Blonde, I remember at the time I really enjoyed Atomic Blonde bar one sequence, and it's how Charlie Steron pretty much seduces Numi Rapaz's character. And we see that full on. And I remember at the time saying, and again, it's only because it's popped into my head. I kind of said, Well, we would we wouldn't see Bond doing that. We wouldn't see man-on-man bond action you know why is it kind of acceptable that we have it for male titillation for something surprisingly produced by charlie serron why do we have this titillation of of female on female spy action so do you think and again this is just me throwing making you feel really uncomfortable throwing you out this 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 idea do you think that we would see a bond in the future with, maybe not with Boyle's Bond, but in a recasting, a Bond with a fluid sexuality. Because we've we've had it hinted, you know, in Skyfall, mm. where we have this, you know, this reference to, you think I'm your first, you know. And I thought that was, a, I genuinely thought that was a great little thing. It was just this kind of throwaway line. And I'm not sitting here. I am not sitting, just let me clarify, I'm not saying I want to see Bond, you know, man-on-man action. But it's the the fact is that, again, when Atomic, blonde came out I thought it was great but bar that one little scene I just thought you didn't need it's like with Kingsman which you mentioned earlier on you know the bum joke that it finishes on you don't really need that but that could leave me down to a whole other conversation that I'll not have now but do you think that's something
1: we will ever see from from a Bond character Uh, I mean uh, you know back in the 60s Sean Connery's Bond is as we said misogynistic that's a product of his time. I know that's an excuse that people throw out there for these things. Like, oh, that was just then. This is now. It was then. That's how things were back then. We've evolved as a people. And I feel we have... We hope, anyway. We hope. And I feel that we have now reached the point where, yeah, we can have, you know, uh, a bisexual James Bond or or gay or whatever. We can We can do these things, but we don't necessarily have to. We can use other characters mm. and create new things. And, you know, we could have, like, Atomic Blonde is a female James Bond. Mm. It's a female agent, uh, kicking ass, taking names. Uh, and and we didn't need to use another franchise's name for that film to get attention, to get people coming to see it. All it needed was a, a great actress playing that role uh, a great director. I mean, it had one of the two directors from John Wick and it had great action sequences. The thing that drew me into that film was the trailer. Or I think they had an extended trailer where it just showed you one of the sequences, one of the fight sequences, like about 30, 40 seconds of that. And I saw that and went, oh, it's female John Wick. I'm in. Uh, you you don't need to create representation in something that already exists. You need to address the representation issues and start coming up with new things to fill those holes. And, you know, well, you, that was poorly phrased. Uh, you, you need to sort of fix the problems that exist and don't fix the problems that don't exist. You know, a white, a white bond is not a problem, but having no representation is a a problem. (laughs) Let
0: it out, let it out. <laughs> Such a child.
1: <laughs> right, okay.
0: <laughs> On that note, thank you very much. I think that's a perfect note to finish this, this little interview. Uh, thank you very much. And we shall look forward to the next Bond when it's out in November next year. So that pretty much brings this podcast to a close. Thank you as always for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode. If you can't wait until then, don't forget you can check out our website for our complete back catalogue. But for now, until our next episode, goodbye.